don't necessarily shy away from risk. I think that much of my career has occurred because of my lack of fear in risk taking. You know, every risk has with it something that's not certain, you know, and uncertainty is scary. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is a conversation with Dr. Brian King, neuroscientist and psychologist, author of The Art of Taking It Easy, The Laughing Cure. Today we talk about laughter, the best medicine. Hello, Brian. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. And in order to break the ice, would you like to share a place you like to visit near where you live, please? <laughs> I'm currently in Dallas, Texas. And uh, speaking of breaking the ice, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but we are currently experiencing an ice storm uh, here in Dallas. So it's a, it's a very cold morning, uh, very weird uh, weather for a place like Dallas. So that's where I am. I, I'm uh, I spend some of my time in uh, Quebec and a lot of my time traveling. Uh, that's But right now, I'm stationed right here in good old Texas. Fantastic. So you are a neuroscientist and psychologist. Hey, but now you're a comedian. <laughs> so please, this, this is absolutely awesome. Tell me about your journey. So actually, right now, I would say that I'm more of a comedian uh, than those other things. Uh, I started my career as a neuroscientist. Started it with getting a degree in uh, in neuroscience. I was very interested in psychology uh, when I was in college, and uh, I pursued that uh, psychology for a long time. And then when I got to the point where I was uh, applying for graduate school or getting into it, I I really was attracted to neuroscience. I wanted to get to understand the brain and why it does what it does, and and so that was my whole educational background and. And that, that was really where I thought I would go for the rest of my life, you know, professionally anyway. Uh, I wanted to be a uh, an academic and I wanted to have a laboratory somewhere and I wanted to be conducting research all the time and have students that helped me conduct that research. And uh, I don't know, I, at the same time, though, I also wanted to be a comedian. Uh, th these are two different pursuits, two different skill sets, you know. Uh, neuroscience isn't just a study of the brain, it's also uh, a very sort of introverted, very specific, highly detailed uh, sort of career. Uh, a lot of neuroscientists don't interact much with other people, uh, which is a, a stereotype, but it's true. Uh, and I don't mean that they don't talk to other people. I mean, of course, they prefer the company of rats in a laboratory than, than uh, other human beings. And they wouldn't be thinking about getting on stage and telling jokes, you know. So it is a very different sort of uh, set of pursuits and set of interests. And so I 
I had this academic interest in, in the brain, but I also uh, really wanted to, to perform. And at one point when I started doing comedy, I realized I like comedy more than I like being in a laboratory with rats. And, uh, and so I just started gravitating towards performance, uh, stage opportunities. I began stand-up comedy a little bit late. Uh, I should have started earlier. I always say that. You can't go back in time, though. I should have started performing comedy earlier. But when I started doing comedy, I realized this is all I wanted to do. Uh, this really is. I, I'm no longer really practicing anything that you would call neuroscience. I do have that background. Uh, I am now a uh, touring public speaker. I talk a lot about topics that relate to psychology, including laughter, including, you know, and, and why it's so healthy, including, uh, you know, the effect of, of laughter on the brain and things like that. And so uh, I, I've, I've sort of turned my interest in, in neuroscience and my desire to make people laugh into a sort of a niche career. When I started performing comedy, I realized, you know, there are only certain subjects I could, I could talk about where uh, the audience would really uh, come along with me. And, and neuroscience wasn't one of them. Like I couldn't get on a comedy stage and start telling people, but hey, you hear the one about the, the amygdala and the, and the, you know, the, the cerebellum or the- Of course. Yeah. These are, the, you know, I couldn't even imagine uh, what neuroscience jokes uh, would go over well with a general audience. And so I started just developing my skills of making people laugh. And, uh, and that led to different opportunities of uh, the public speaking gigs. Uh, they say, hey, well, you know, here's a, a psychologist who's also quite funny. You know, let's, let's book him for, for whatever event that we might want. And, uh, and that led to a, a sort of a different career. And, and then I got really interested in uh, using what I know about the brain and applying that knowledge to, uh, you know, things like laughter and, and things that I, that I was interested in as a comedian. And it just kind of evolved. I mean, it just kind of evolved like that. But these things are all very related to one another. And, and, and so I, I think that it's part of the problem that people have uh, is that when they, one, one issue presents itself and, uh, and it becomes the focus. You know, I'm, I'm depressed, so I just want to deal with this depression. You know, I, I'm anxious. I, 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 I'm overwhelmed with stress in the world. I just want to deal with this. Uh, or some people, uh, instead of focusing on those emotional issues, or, you know, I just, I need to lose weight. And so it becomes a, a singular focus when the reality is that all these things are related. And so, you know, things like laughter and, and, and when my happiness became my priority, uh, my career shifted and I made different decisions. But it must be absolutely awesome, right? To see the change, you would have been going into a research meeting and everybody, I mean, don't mean that they are sad people by any stretch of the imagination, but you know what I mean. People would be quite serious. Yeah. And now you go into a huge stage and you are making people laugh. People feel good and forget about their issues and their stress. That must feel like, wow. It, it is. It, it, it's kind of great, I got to say, but it, it can have its moments where it's a little uh, nerve wracking because not everyone uh, is uh, is in the same mindset. Uh, not everyone who's in that world is in the mindset that they want to laugh. You know, and so sometimes I sometimes I go into a uh, uh, into a speaking gig and they have sort of different expectations. So they'll think that, you know, well, we booked this uh, this neuroscientist, Dr. Brian King, you know, he's going to be 
he's going to give us a very serious talk about, uh, you know, the brain and whatever. And, uh, and here I come and I have my opening jokes and I start to try, I'm trying to, you know, ease them into this, into the talk or, uh, you know, get them laughing, get them thinking, you know, get them feeling better. And some people, they, they're just not expecting that, you know, and I remember very early in my career, uh, having uh, one woman actually stand up 15 minutes into my my talk, and uh, you know she actually stood up to interrupt me, you know because I wasn't picking on her because she was raising her hand and I wasn't I wasn't picking on her, and then she stood up in the middle of my talk and said, um, "Can you please stop telling jokes? I came here to learn about blah blah blah." And I'm like, uh, "Lady, uh, <laughs> you know it says on the brochure I'm a comedian. You know what I mean? It's like it's." Sometimes, sometimes they're not ready for it, you know. And other times, uh, they they it's weird because they wanted they they want it to be nothing but jokes. Uh, you know, they want me to be just uh, you know, hey, we we booked this guy uh, to do this talk, and it says he's a comedian. I I, I you know, but, you know, but I do have to talk about stuff. I do have to you know to to share the message as, as, along with uh, the jokes. And so there's a there's a fine line. It's a hard balance, and I. I think I got there, you know, I think I, I got to the point where I can I convey uh, enough information to satisfy the people who really want information, uh, but with uh, a lot of jokes to make it more palatable uh, and make it a much more enjoyable experience for everyone involved. I assume that there's also a difference between what the organizing team require versus what the audience are expecting. I get a lot of organizers who will say things like, you know, we we really want you to talk about these certain subjects, but we want you to be funny. We want you to have, you know, like to enter, be entertaining. That's why we're booking you. And then, of course, the audience has no idea uh, anything about my background. And so they, they come in expecting, you know, whatever regular corporates, uh, you know, uh, since you know oh here's another speaker that's booked by hr or whatever you know and, and then i come in and i and i and they, they're they're super impressed or or either that or they just you know they check out and they don't even pay attention <laughs> because they're expecting that regular boring talk that, that people are often used to you know uh yeah i bring humor in everything i do and that's been a sort of an interesting aspect to my life because uh prior to being a comedian I did try really hard to fit into the traditional workspace. You know, I, I I did my research, you know, and I and I, I quietly ran my rats in in the lab when I was doing neuroscience research, or and I did corporate consulting for a while. So I would do my presentations to clients, very straight, very uh, uh, you know, try adopting, you know, talking about we need to shift these paradigms, and uh, you know, uh, it was disingenuous. You know, and so and I think I think that kind of personality is disingenuous for everyone. Uh, I don't think anyone born uh, with an appreciation for business casual. Uh, that, that's not a clothing choice that we necessarily want in our lives, you know, and, and the behavior that goes along with that sort of workplace mannerisms. You know, they, I, I don't think that's natural for people. They adapt to it. I always felt pretty uncomfortable, uh, you know, adapting to that. When I started performing stand up comedy. I allowed myself more freedom of expression uh, because I realized uh, how great it was on a comedy stage uh, to make people laugh and to be able to say what was on my mind and just really get a genuine uh, applause or a genuine connection with an audience. And after I started experiencing that, I brought that back to 
my uh, seminars, my presentations, the work that I was doing on a more professional basis. And that, you know, there were growing pains. You know, in the beginning, it was tough to merge those two, but I have never been more successful. Uh, after merging those two, after becoming uh, more representative of who I am as a personality, you know, I'm a funny person and I, you know, sure, I have some intellectual information to share with people, but, uh, you know, I, I, I want to share it my way. Uh, and when I started doing that, it just, uh, it just opened up. Uh, I mean, it was scary because there's, there's an uncertainty uh, in, uh, well, is anybody going to want to book me? <laughs> is anybody, you know, uh, I, as a self-employed individual, and I've been self-employed now for uh, over 12 years, it's always, uh, you know, a, a concern, you know, about what, where's the next gig going to come from? Where's the next booking going to come from? But it's been very enjoyable and it's worked out really well. With the pandemic aside, of course, that was not uh, a fun time, <laughs> but uh, not a fun time for public speakers anyway. Uh, it's been great. And so I wrote the book, The Laughing Cure, which is all about my re- research on, on why humor and laughter is so good for us and what other people say about it, the way that I present it to people. And then I wrote a follow-up book, The Art of Taking It Easy, which is uh, about managing stress and and that book has really uh, done super well. Uh, it's a, it's amazing uh, how how well that book has been received uh, because it's been uh, translated to six different languages. It's a, it, an international bestseller. In fact, it was it was recently translated into Korean, uh, which uh, you know the the other languages they're they're mostly uh, European centric. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's like Polish and Portuguese and German, you know, and I, and I get, you know, you always think of Europe, even though there's a lot of diversity there as uh, as being sort of one place that's very similar to, you know, North America. And then there's my book is now available in South Korea and uh, and wow. and the publisher sent me some copies and, and, I, and I get them in the mail. I got them in the mail last week and I'm just like, wow, this is really different. Like this is really like if I, if I pick up the Polish copy or the German copy, whatever, I can usually flip through and, and figure out, oh, okay, this is the part where I said this, or this is the part where I did this. I look at the Korean book, I'm like, this is completely foreign to me. Like this, I, I don't know how these people are reading my jokes in Korean and understanding them. Like, uh, you know, forget the direct translation. I have no idea like how my stories of living in Texas or of doing this or that, like, how does that relate? You know, but it's out there. (laughs) (laughs) And when you are with the audience, have you actually found that humor is different in different places? Because of course you've been in many parts of the US and abroad. So talking about your book and being published in different languages, in your experience, how different is the humor? You know, it's funny. uh, I, I think humor is, it works the same, no matter who you're talking to. What I find is different in the U.S. is uh, some some of the same things that a lot of comedians who are very, extremely popular comedians that are complaining about uh, in the U.S. is that uh, certain audiences just have different sensibilities, you know. And so I I do encounter some of that. Uh, I do encounter sort of the the West Coast more uh, liberal states as having too maybe taking me too seriously uh, sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't push the envelope, you know, like Dave Chappelle or anything uh, while I'm performing or while I'm doing my, my talk. But nonetheless, uh, I, I do think I, I, the feedback that I get regarding humor 
uh, in places like, uh, I don't want to mention cities by name, but, you know, general West Coast kind of stuff, you know. I don't know. I, I get more negative feedback uh, from certain types of jokes, you know. Uh, you know, you shouldn't joke about mental illness, you know, or, well, I didn't joke about mental illness, you know. I talked about mental illness and I made a joke, two independent things. Uh, but in their head, they put it together and they think, oh, well, he mentioned mental illness and he's being funny. Therefore, he's joking about mental illness, you know. And so uh, there's that sensibility that you see changes across the country, you know. And and then there are parts of the, I talk about managing stress and there are definitely are clear differences in the United States about the way people handle and react to stress. And and uh, and again, it, it's almost the opposite direction, actually. I feel like people are more stressed uh, the more east you go. Oh, <laughs> what about Europe then? They are super stressed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Europe's a strange, a strange animal. Now, I haven't done a lot of talks in Europe. It's a strange animal because uh, although there's a, there's a lot of uh, uptightness uh, in Europe, however, for the most part, they seem pretty well adjusted uh, you know, for, for everything uh, that might be going on. You know, they, they seem really uh, well adjusted. Uh, and that's just my personal experience. Uh, in, in Europe, I have only performed uh, comedy. I haven't done any uh, public speaking or haven't done any uh, other gigs. I've just did like a comedy and I've only done comedy in English. So uh, I don't think I'm seeing the, the true cross section of, of German audiences, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it, there, there's these cultural differences within the United States. And, and I, I hate to say that they are regional, but they are regional. <laughs> I mean, they really are. Absolutely. <laughs> Would you share three things that you have learned in your career? Uh, you know, with regard to what I do, uh, and what I do is, again, very specific. There's not a whole lot of neuroscientists, comedians uh, out there. Uh, but, well, with regard to uh, public speaking, I think, one, uh, the thing that I learned first is that uh, when I was true to my, I started being true to myself, I was much more successful. You know? And so, and and I think that kind of, uh, of attitude is is helpful to anyone. Uh, you know, flipping hamburgers at a restaurant or, uh, you know, doing high-level mathematics or driving a race car, you know, right? I think that if you were true to yourself, uh, you're going to be more successful. When I, when I first started doing research and then I, and then I left academia and went into the corporate world, uh, I remember somebody, one of my mentors, describing me as a, a square peg in a round hole. You know, it's like, as I, I'm just not the right fit. You know, even though I might have had the, the right training, I might have had the, uh, the right knowledge base, it's just not the right fit. So, so that was important. Uh, another one, too, is uh, number two is don't, don't necessarily shy away from risk. Uh, I think that uh, much of my career has occurred because of my ability and my, uh, not necessarily my interest to take a risk, but Uh, my lack of fear uh, to, in, in risk taking, you know, every risk has with it uh, certain elements that we should fear, you know, because that the whole point, the whole definition of the word risk is that there's something that's not certain, you know, and uncertainty is scary. Uh, not having a, an employer uh, is scary, you know, when you have other bills to pay and you're not independently wealthy, you know, and so not being adverse to risk and not, you know, it would be the second one. Yeah, I guess uh, the the third. Oh, and this is something I'm. This is something actually that's a theme of my last two books. Uh, is uh, pursue what makes you happy as much as you can. 
uh, pursue what makes you happy. So uh, I have found more success in life by pursuing uh, my own personal happiness than pursuing the other things, you know, other extrinsic rewards. Uh, now, I, I always put this in the context of my career uh, and say, I've taken jobs, many jobs throughout my life, and some of them I've taken because I needed the money, and I needed the money really badly. And so I would, I would take that job for the money. Those decisions uh, did not uh, result in as much success as when I chose things because it would make me happy. Uh, and so uh, there's a thing about happiness in, in the literature, and there's, there's a lot of research out there that shows that we have this expression that uh, money can't buy happiness, you know, and they, and they say that, you know, and, they, and I think that's true. I took jobs. Uh, I worked in the corporate world. I made uh, a lot of money uh, when I was doing that work, and I was very, very, very unhappy. Uh, and then uh, I, I became a comedian, and I worked on comedy stages with people whose regular jobs, I guess, you know, the day jobs, so to say, you know, were uh, they, they waited tables or they, they served coffee at, rest, at, at a coffee shop, you know, and, and I was envious of those people uh, because I had my day job that I absolutely hated, paid a lot, paid really well, you know, I was able to live in San Francisco and, and pay the high cost of living that San Francisco had, but uh, I was I was miserable at that job. So I was envious of my friends in the comedy world who waited tables and then just and then just went and did their their, their comedy show me i sat in a cubicle doing my uh little research you know dealing with people with uh with a fake personality <laughs> and uh and so I, I didn't i didn't enjoy all that and so when i started making decisions more geared towards my happiness like i remember uh, I, I on my last layoff and i did get laid off uh, from the corporate world and on my last layoff, I, I, I said to myself, you know, I don't care what I do. Uh, I, I don't want to take another job that's going to make me unhappy. And so I, uh, I, I began focusing on other aspects. And, and when my happiness became my priority, uh, my career shifted and I made different decisions. I was getting to this when I mentioned the research. We, uh, we have this expression that money can't buy happiness. And, uh, and that's true. Research supports that. Right? The more money we make, uh, it doesn't translate into additional happiness. But we also have lots of research that shows that the happier we are, uh, the more money we get. And uh, it's it's a strange relationship. They say uh, money can't buy happiness, but happiness buys money. <laughs> it, it, it really does. And, uh, and, and, and we don't know how it's going to work out for every individual. But when we uh, make decisions that aren't so um, desperate, uh, you know, when we make decisions that aren't based solely and I desperately need this or I need that or whatever, and we start making decisions based on what's going to make us the happiest, uh, well, then we become more successful because the choice we made at that point then is something that we're highly motivated to pursue and continue. And so I may have had limited work hours uh, back when I was working for someone else, but I made less. Uh, and now I, I work all the time. I, I work, you know, 24 hours a day pretty much because I'm always thinking about uh, a joke or thinking about something else or writing or working, whatever. I don't consider it work because it makes me happy. And I've really been able to do better and to uh, really excel in my life uh, as a result of that fundamental change. Just, uh, so that, that's really been the most important thing that I've learned over the years.
And like I said, I do talk about that. My last book starts off with, are you happy? Uh, even though it's a, it's a book about managing stress. And it's very hard to be happy when you're under stress. And so, uh, you know, obviously it's relevant. Uh, my upcoming book uh, also deals with pursuing happiness. Your audience can be the first to know that my next book is coming out in April. It's called uh, Of Bears and Weight Loss. It's about losing weight. So in, in the process of, uh, of having my, my, my family, uh, my daughter is now five and she's, she's coloring right next to me right now. And, uh, and in the process of, of having, uh, having this family and taking these changes and telling people how to be healthy and, and manage stress and so forth, in the process, I've managed to lose a substantial amount of weight. Uh, I lost uh, about 100 pounds since the writing of my first book. And, uh, and I'm still on a losing trajectory. Uh, I'm not, uh, I, I, I've been losing it slowly. And, uh, you know, it's been, my daughter's five now and I'm, you know, I'm still overweight, but uh, I'm a hundred pounds less. Congratulations. That's a great, great achievement. And how may we contact you, Dr. Brian King? I've branded all the major social media sites with Dr. Brian King. So I'm pretty easy to find that way. <laughs> Facebook, uh, all the social medias. Uh, I have a, a YouTube channel. I post videos too. I have, uh, you know, uh, but uh, primarily my website and my Facebook and my email. And my books are available everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining, and if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being, developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management, at www.siwem.org.